Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We come to this place for magic. We come to AMC theaters to laugh, to cry, to care. Because we need that. All of us. That indescribable feeling we get when the lights begin to dim. And we go somewhere we've never been before. Not just entertained, but somehow reborn. Together. Together. (laughs) Okay, for the virgins, they have to know that we were in the theater getting ready to see Batman. And of course, Rose and I just, you know, clutch each other, just fully anticipating the Nicole Kidman AMC theaters. And when it started, there were definitely some other queers in the theater because (laughs) they applauded when, as soon as Nicole Kidman's (laughs) high heel hit the ground. Hit, hit the puddle. Uproarious applause. Yeah. And then towards the end, when Nicole Kidman says, because here they are, the, the gays at the back of the theater went, they are! In perfect unison. Perfect unison. It was the best tone to set. It was, they were experience. queering the space. They, they were queering the space. As if Batman isn't queer enough. All of this is to say that today we are talking about Batman, both the new film, The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz, and also The Batmen, thems, and uh, people. Bat, Batmexans, <laughs> bat, the bat people of yesteryear, uh, because this is like a virgin, the show where we give yesterday's pop culture today's takes. I'm Rose Damu. And I'm Fran Torado. And uh, we are going to be diving into the Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher eras of Batman. But unlike Joel Schumacher, we will not be discussing the 10,000 to 20,000 people we have slept with. 
Speak for yourself, babe. <laughs> right, right, right. Ten to I'm twenty thousand people. This is gonna be. This is this is a podcast first and foremost about taking loads. Yeah, taking in honor of Joel Schumacher. Ten thousand to twenty thousand loads, which is a really big gap to Joel Schumacher's twenty thousand load weekend. <laughs> but first, uh, there's a whole other pile of garbage we have to sift through from the week's news and pop culture. Mama, let's research. As Gina Rodriguez once said. Well, the most infuriating thing that could have happened on the Drag Race episode on Friday did happen. And I'm not just talking about the fact that Apple TV Plus didn't add the episode for a full 48 hours after it premiered. Um, There was a double save, which doesn't matter who it is. It could be the best drag queens who have ever competed on the show. It could be two people I know personally. I never want two people to be saved, ever. I want a double elimination. When I saw the double save this week, I just, I could hear and and crystal clearly imagine you destroying your furniture in your own home. Just You told me when I saw you on Saturday, you you asked if I'd seen Drag Race yet, and I said no, and you said, oh, you're going to hate it. You're going to hate it. You're going to be so mad. Um, Yeah, there's nothing that's really investing me in this season of Drag Race anymore. In Drag Race UK, honestly, I just want Willow Pill to win so we can all go home. The, The fatigue is real. Yeah. I think what's happening with Willow Pill is, like, so exciting. Like, what a winner. What a fierce competitor. Competitor. I think that, you know, Angeria is kind of fading into the middling ground territory. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm it's just, a bummer. And I think that this double save was just like, where are the stakes, girls? Like, where is, like, my personal stake in this? And similarly with Drag Race UK versus the world, it's like, I don't really care about who wins anymore like it would be nice if no Juju wins, uh, absolutely absolutely not like, and obviously observe. this episode is going to come out a full two days yeah. after the finale right. so none of none of this like even matters yeah, but right. none of it matters anyway because as soon as pangina was eliminated i lost all interest in uk versus the world yeah oh did you see that willow pill came out as trans <laughs> yes and i saw all the you subs- saw heron i saw all did you the see heron's tweet needs. yeah Her- the heron's heron's tweet that was like rupaul realizing she cast 400 women on drag race <laughs> and it's like the meme of the woman destroying her house <laughs> Um, it is yeah, amazing. I feel like some someone got fired on the ranch for that one. Yeah, the dolls are dolling because now we have it was it started with Carrie and Cornbread, then Jasmine, then Willow, and I guess Bosco as well, who I think is mm-hmm. out as yeah. trans feminine Bosco at this point. Bosco is trans. So that's like f- that's like five. How many people were in this cast? A hundred? I don't know. <laughs> also, how are we still not at Snatch Game and we're 10 episodes when in? When they said next week is Snatch Game, I was like, I was what? like, is it time to crown the winner? <laughs> yeah, I was like, how on? And I am like such a lover of Drag Race. Like, I, 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 unlike you, I, I really do like, it, it, it is something that I will always, always be excited to sit down and watch. But like... Man, I, I think that they're, the production and, like, how these seasons are spinning out is, like, not really keeping me plugged into the characters. But anyways, Willow Pill supremacy. Yeah. I will also say, last week, something that I was also too sick and dehydrated and exhausted to discuss 
probably to your delight was the Euphoria finale. I'm so uh, sorry. Hold on. Okay, let, let me go make a coffee <laughs> yeah, make while a you coffee do this. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll start okay, talking I'm about taking my headphones <laughs> off. <laughs> oh my god. So, no, put your headphones back on. She's literally leaving right now. <laughs> Come on, Rose. We need to make the podcast. But for the virgins, because I know there are a lot of virgins who watch Euphoria, which is why it's worth discussing, and also just like it's an amazing show. To you. To me. I felt like the finale was great, but I felt like the play within a play was better. I felt like the play within a play did was so successful at making fun of Euphoria as a show. Like, making fun of all the things that are really extreme about literally Euphoria, the TV show, from the homoeroticism of Nate to, like, how slutty all of these characters are to the really high-stakes drama. Like, it it actually kind of brought the show back to, even though, obviously, everyone's saying, like, the budget of this play is, like, absolutely crazy. I felt like... It was totally earned because um, I don't, when I, you went to an art school, I went to an extremely arts driven school. Um, We had sets that were on like, you know, machinated like rotators. Like we, we, and like, I know that. So did we, although although we also did the thing a lot where you have um, one of those big rolling staircases that that, like stand in for, for every possible type of structure yeah. or like a boat or a tree yeah, lawsuits or you know, waiting whatever. To happen. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I think our high school imaginations are so active that like our, our heightened sense of reality makes that experience like, uh, like this is the best thing that's ever happened. And like in our brains, it's like so, so brilliant and gorgeous and amazing. But like when you actually look at it, it's like a bunch of plywood painted by, you know, kids that were in detention. Not at my school. You had to like, you had to sign up to paint those sets. We had a shop class, but there weren't enough people signed up for shop. And so I think detention kids also had to make our stage sets. (laughs) But yeah, I won't harp in it anymore other than to say that I felt like all the empathy that I was, like, led to feel about Lexi, I really did not feel for this whole season until her play. And then I felt like her play totally earned all of this character development that we had been witnessing. And, yeah, I just totally enjoyed it, um, even if... The fin- we love to see a, a nepotism baby succeeding. That's right. Um, good for Maud Apatow. Were you, I guess, satisfied with the end of the season? I felt like... There was an overemphasis on Lexi in the last half of the finale. I kind of wanted to go back to more core characters, um, but the, the episode really landed with Lexi and Zendaya. But overall, the big takeaways, honestly, are one, that Nate has a recurring nightmare that he's getting fucked by his dad. They show a flash of it at some point, and unfortunately... Um, it was it was kind of hot. And and the other thing was that did you know that Alexa Demi, it's actually pronounced Alexa Demi? <laughs> I didn't, but I guess like she was born in like 1920s Paris. So that makes sense. Right, yeah. Yeah. When she co-wrote the Declaration of Independence, <laughs> she said it's Demi, not Demi. <laughs> when she emerged from the primordial ooze. When she actually cracked open the continents uh from from the from Pangea. She was Pangea. <laughs> yeah. She was Pangea. 
Is it <laughs> Alexa Alexa Demi was actually the meteor that killed the dinosaurs? <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, that that those are all of my euphoria not so hot takes that are, you know, weeks late. Great. So very excited to not ever talk about euphoria again. And like the, there's not going to be another season anytime soon, right? Well, this second season, we had to wait for a really long time because of the pandemic. So we actually might get a third season sooner than you think, babe. Oh, God, that's horrible. <laughs> well, I spent my Sunday night watching Fresh, which is a new Hulu movie starring Sebastian Stan, a.k.a. The Winter Soldier, oh. and Daisy Edgar-Jones, who was in Normal People, the Sally Rooney TV show with um, Phoebe Bridgers' boyfriend. And I loved it. I-, I had, like, been wanting to watch it, and then I saw a TikTok where someone was reviewing it and saying it was really good, but that the ending was bad. And I watched the movie and, like, was waiting for the ending to be bad, and it, like... It really wasn't. I actually really liked the ending. So don't trust everything you see on TikTok. But what like, is it about? So it is about this girl who is kind of a loner. And she meet, she's like having all these horrible Tinder dates and then meets Sebastian Stan in a grocery store. And they start dating. And then he asks if she wants to go away for the weekend. And they go to his house upstate and he said that he's a doctor and like she he takes her to his house and drugs her and she wakes up chained up in his basement oh. because he sells human flesh on the black market oh to really wealthy people is this like a gooey gory kind of horror or is it more art artful kind of it's like it's actually like pretty funny oh. and it's not too graphic like i would not have gotten some... funny from what you described no it's funny I love it's that, like though. One of the interesting things was that the the title card of the movie doesn't happen for, like, 20 minutes. So, like, you get their full, like, rom-com, you know, meet-cute, dating, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, 20 minutes in, when she wakes up chained up in the basement, then, like, the title card and the credits come on. So it's like, now the movie has actually started. Um, the gore is not too graphic. Um, there's one scene where he cuts her ass off no because uh, she's been bad <gasps> um and you kind of see it that is my and, worst like, fear there's obviously a lot of scenes of him like carving up human flesh and eating it but <gasps> you know there's one scene where he like walks in from a run and you know how like some people have things of prosciutto that are like it just no. like on like a wheel in their kitchen. No. He has like a human leg no. that he just like takes a little sliver Not off. Not an umberico <laughs> ham woman. Yeah, it's it's very that. It's giving umberico um, ham. <laughs> yeah, but I really liked it. I mean, obviously, I like a dark, twisted, beautiful fantasy. It reminds me a little bit of Perfume. Do you remember that book slash movie? Yeah, it also um, reminded me a lot of my favorite book from last year, A Certain Hunger by Chelsea G. Summers which is also about cannibalism and is like sort of funny. There's not a single cannibal cultural object that will escape you. That's for sure. Absolutely not. But um, Sebastian Stan was really good in it. He was very like, I think I forgot from him playing a superhero for so long that he is very good at being a, a like douchey villain a la his turn on Gossip Girl. Mm. And he was very sinister, but very hot. Oh my God, he could take a bite out of me 
anytime. Well, cannibals are hot, just like historically. Cannibals, cannibals are hot. And I thought the ending was very satisfying. I really liked it. Definitely would recommend. It's just like, you know, a fun little movie and it's on Hulu. Why not? The uh, two satisfying things that I watched in my flu haze were Shiva Baby. Very belated, but I didn't realize that it was streamable on HBO Max. Also something that I unfortunately left off of my best of 2021. Oh, wow. Last year. That makes complete sense because it felt like you wrote it. Um, But the gist is a, a almost graduating from college girl is like at a shiva and she sees her sugar daddy who she didn't know was married and has a kid and also her ex-girlfriend. And the story is fully contained in that house of the Shiva, which is, I think, an, a brilliant conceit. It's a really great movie. We love Rachel Sinat. Also stars Diana Agron, a.k.a. Taylor Swift's rumored ex-girlfriend. <laughs> no, wait, really? I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, in music news, Florence and the Machine dropped another song today. Which was? And... It's it's like under two minutes. It's just like a little little tease, a little bite. And I am eating my words of saying that Florence was doing what all the other girls weren't by putting out a four minute song last week. Well, this one's for the talk. The, yeah, I don't I don't know if this one's gonna wind up as a TikTok sound. <laughs> yeah, you don't think that breathy yodeling will transcend to to the TikTok generation? Okay, let's not let's not be I'm reductive. not being reductive. I not... say that as a compliment. Literally like your all of your favorite artists are breathy yodelers. In a way. Kate Bush, Fiona mm-hmm. Apple, Florence Welch, um Alanis Morissette, like who literally all of them. Okay, you might you might you might have a point. You might you might have a The point. other movie that I wanted to quickly endorse just because I didn't think I would be endorsing this movie was 3 months starring Troy Sivan and Judy Greer, thank God. Another really simple slice-of-life movie about a guy who is, like, waiting to, to find out if he has HIV or not, which usually takes three months' time after you've been exposed. A movie made a decade too late, but, like, I feel like that's not the fall of the movie. I'm sure that it was pitched, like, ten years ago um, and has taken this long to get created. But I just, like, wasn't prepared to like the movie because I felt like the conceit was kind of... I mean, it sounds off off paper, like, a little basic. But the characters are so rich. And I did ugly cry because there's some really good grandma stuff in it. Um, and I love grandma content. Um, and the I think the emotions... Uh, and relationships of each character were so um, real to me. Like, I felt like I was totally back in high school. So I do recommend it. It's on Paramount+. Plus. I did have to borrow someone else's Paramount Plus password, but you can go ahead and do that too, and it's definitely worth it. I won't. <laughs> no, I, I'm saying you, the virgins. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Forget those Sunday night blues for a second with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. So today we're talking about Batman, because last night we saw The Batman. Oh, it's The Batman. It's The Batman. That's a stylistic choice. Of course. Of course. Um, And I think we had both... How did you go into this movie? Like, you had seen reviews and stuff, but what was was your thinking? I was very excited. I've I've been excited since we saw the first set photos of Zoe um, and, and Robert, but, like, mainly Zoe. Zoe was a moment. Um... Yeah, I was excited. I've never been, like, Batman. I'm not, like, a Batman girl, like, ride or die, Of I think, of all the superheroes. Not necessarily my fave. But this one I was very excited for because, I like, I guess, like, in recent years, Batman has been even less of the superhero that I've been interested in. I think that's, like, when Bat- when when. When Ben Affleck's playing him, I'm just, right. it's not the vibe. And I it's think not the vibe. With the kind of, the ramping up of the MCU in general, it just requires so much of our kind of cultural attention. Of course, something as big as Batman could even fade into the distance. And I also, I think it's probably because I just like, am not really interested in the DC movies. Um, so I was happy for something that seemed like a a, a soft reboot of mm-hmm. Batman, or I guess a hard reboot of yeah, Batman. Yeah, truly. Um, and I really liked the movie. Shockingly, I mean, maybe not shockingly, but I went into it with virtually no expectations. Like, all my expectations were for Zoe, and the rest of the movie was kind of inconsequential to me. And, you know, you and I agree that this movie... I mean, why is it three hours long? Like, why? That's the first thing that that you should know, um, everyone listening, is that this movie is three hours long. And it it feels three hours long. It feels. Not not in a bad way. I did not pee once. Yes. Could not. Could never. Although I was was pissing in my mind the whole time. (laughs) Yes. Um, I was pissing spiritually. (laughs) Um, But it's very long. Yeah. And if you do need... To take a pee break, I would suggest going during the car chase. 
I think, because it's in the trailer. Oh, yeah. And you can skip it. They did ruin kind of one of the best scenes of the movie. They really overexposed that that car chase, which I thought was so amazing to watch in theaters It was very fun. But But you can definitely, if you have to pee, pee during that. If I were to recommend a pee break, I would say in the last third of the movie, you know, there's a lot of... But you can't make it that long. Like, the the car chase is like a good midway point. On practical reasons, maybe it doesn't make sense. However, in the last third of the movie, there is a lot of, you know... My least favorite parts of the movie, which is a room where just two people are talking. And there's a lot oh, of exposition. With, with Batman and the Riddler. A, yes. That did go on for kind of a long time. And also, um, well, well, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of the plot. But basically, there's a lot of exposition that happens the last third to kind of tie together a few missing parts of this riddle, sure. if you will. We don't have to get into like the specifics of the plot. But I yeah, think like, doesn't even matter. a general overview is that this is a Batman movie that takes place... Two years into Bruce Wayne's new career as a vigilante masked crusader, who everyone he like always refers to himself as vengeance. Yes. Um, so he's like been around and for like what a few years? For two years. Like. Oh, oh yeah, okay. And I, I think one of the things that I liked the most about this movie was that it's not an origin story, but this is not a, a fully realized Batman. Yeah. So you're like dropped re- into his career of crime fighting, but he's still not the best at it. Yeah. He makes a lot of mistakes. One of my favorite moments of the movie is actually when the car chase is about to happen. Batman is like busting up um, a drug deal and he's trying to like intimidate the penguin by revving up the Batmobile and then just as he's about to like go after him the batmobile stalls yeah. and it's like very funny and also like i i just like the idea that he hasn't got his shit figured out it was yet. it was also a nice little spin on the batmobile reveal which is something that happens in almost all of the franchises yeah. like and you know i liked that it twisted the ways that we saw batman and this batmobile did kind of look like um the that like the elon musk tesla <laughs> You know, like the the one that he was driving around New York with Grimes in the (laughs) backseat? No. It was also reminiscent of kind of the tank Batmobile that was in the Dark Knight franchise. No, let's not. Let's. Oh, no. Or is he Lex Luthor? I guess. If Elon Musk is Batman and Grimes is Madonna, did you see the Grimes audition for the Madonna biopic? Is Grimes Catwoman? (laughs) Or maybe Grimes is Poison Ivy? (laughs) Grimes would be Poison Ivy, but like would completely betray her kind of. E- eco- As I told Lady Freeze when I pulled her plug, <laughs> this is a one-woman show. <laughs> well, t- uh, speaking of Grimes, uh, Batman was kind of rocking Grimes' makeup. Let's start with the emofication. Oh, yeah. What do you think she was using on the eye? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, maybe I a- did like that there was one scene where he was putting the makeup on. I want the full tutorial. Yeah, it's a smudgy Pat McGrath kind of like dark under eye moment. Um one of the first things that we reacted to in this movie was how emo he was. The emofication of Robert Pattinson. Not that this is the first time he's been emo, exactly. but, you know. Well, I, that's kind of why I really... He was giving very much... I chimed in with a haven't you people ever heard of closing the goddamn door. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, the penguin comes in and he goes, Is it still me that makes you sweat? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like you and I immediately were like, this is like so like, overtly emo. Like, it's not... You and I are very, like, you know, uh, 
we like to be irreverent in our takes and like kind of digesting of like superhero movies, but it really is explicitly like there was this kind of what was the song that was playing when we first see oh, his there makeup? Was Nir- there was Nirvana. Playing. It was a Nirvana song, yeah. and he's got the smudgy makeup, and like Robert Pattinson already has that like kind of sensitive, like fragile guy kind of thing going I, on. I think this was the most punk Batman. Yeah, it had a cyberpunk vibe, especially in the scenes that took place in Penguin's Club, which I want to go to that club. 2014, me would have lived in that club. Yes. I loved, I mean, the Penguin, let's get into the Penguin as well, because, like, I love the club. The Penguin, Colin Farrell in a fat suit. Unfortunately, Colin Farrell in a fat suit. Why Hollywood persists in giving, you know, prestige actors fat suits is beyond me. Speaking of, I just, I have to ask, have you ever seen Colin Farrell's sex tape? I didn't even know that existed. Oh my god, girl, you have to watch it. He's like... He's going down on this girl. He's like, I could eat this pushy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> he does not say that. He does, very famously. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow, who taped that? I mean, not, so to, not to like glorify in someone's privacy being invaded, but like... Yeah, that it's, sucks. It's... It's a very good sex tape. Something okay. Uh, we're 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 jumping around a lot, but like I have to say about the penguin of it all that like Colin Farrell is basically doing a Danny DeVito impression. I think it's hard to do the penguin and not do a Danny DeVito yeah, impression, but was still unfortunately amazing. So good, so good. So it made us laugh out loud so many times. And um, I will say it is kind of. Um, disorienting to have Colin Farrell wear this fat suit and have like these like you know decrepit scars all over his face but then he has his like gooey dreamboat eyes still yeah (laughs) very distracting you did clock that maybe Penguin was gay because of the club he owned and also the twinks he employed yes it was playing really good techno music Mm -hmm. like Rose approved techno music which you're very picky about techno music and you Rose said that like as far as like club scenes go club scenes across the board in any movie are done terribly yeah like they don't people who make clubs scenes have probably never been in a club most of the time. Yeah, I think the the last good club scene before this was um, the beginning of the first Matrix movie. Ooh, I haven't, I actually will need to revisit. Um, but this club was so well done, and it was unsee and like should exist, but the fact that the Penguin was kind of this mob boss corrupt club owner that didn't really have the gadgets and gizmos of previous penguins that we've seen. He was not shooting bullets out of an umbrella, let's yeah. say that. It made him scarier and more real. Mm-hmm. I think that that is kind of an overall thing about this iteration of Batman in general is a lot of the different forms of villainy and heroism were down to the roots, down to what very to grounded in, actually human. in reality. Like Batman's tools are also much more rudimentary. Like they're mm-hmm. they're things that could you know, in theory, maybe almost exist, you know, like, as opposed to like, um, except for the part where he was like a flying squirrel. Well, I mean that, although you even can do that, that, you can do that. And I liked that it flopped. He, yeah. it, it, he fucked up. That was really cool. Okay. So for the listeners, like there is a scene where Robert Pattinson is trying to escape off of like a tall skyscraper. He has a moment where he's like, oh, fuck, like, I'm really high up. And you see Batman afraid of heights, which is so cool. But like, then he just jumps, he and just we jumps. gasped. Oh, and he looks... You gasped very loudly. I guess I, I'm a very reactive movie watcher, <laughs> yes, unfortunately. It's really, really embarrassing. No, it's not unfortunate. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. That's really sweet. But I, I'm glad <laughs> you deal with it, because I just gasped so much. But, like... Well, because we see almost every movie together, yeah, so yeah. I, you know... You have, yeah, yeah. I've gotten used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, he looks ridiculous as a 
flying squirrel. Like it looks so kind of stupid, but I'm glad it that they kind kept of it put, in. It does kind of put you into how scary that would be to like jump yeah. on the building, which is another thing I did like about this movie is that a lot of it kind of felt like a video game. Yeah. Especially the scene where so um once Batman has met and kind of teamed up with Catwoman, he sends her into Penguin's Club to do reconnaissance for him using these um contact lenses that are cameras. And that felt very like kind of first person video gamey. And I think it helps you feel kind of like dropped into Batman's world. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. I also think this is a very good comic book movie. Yeah. Like it felt Kind of Frank Millery, um, mm. if you've ever I, I don't know if you've read any of like the older Batman comics. I like I'm not like super well versed in comics, but this did give me kind of like 80s era, very like noiry yeah. Batman vibes, as opposed to big CGI spectacle superhero shenanigans. It was noiry. It was moody, noiry, shadowy. Like 70% of the film was shot through like wet glass pretty much. Like there was a smoky kind of broody like film over the whole thing. It looked so cool. Yeah. The, The lighting was amazing. All of the red lighting. The music was incredible. Yeah, the music the score was, was so beautiful yeah. and haunting. Yeah, and I I think that like characters like Colin Farrell's Penguin or Danny DeVito's Penguin rather also lent itself to that noir element. Like his the, the reveal of Penguin starts with it he goes like um like take it easy sweetheart or something like that and he sounds like exactly like Danny DeVito, but it's still the way he delivers it is so noir you know what i yeah. mean and i think that that and very video gamey and like it kind of i don't want to say camp because like you know faggots call everything camp these yeah days. there was really i don't camp. think there was really anything camp about this movie. yeah i'm saying that he was the most cartoonish character in this film everyone else played a more human kind of um understated version of the character like zoe kravitz for example you know who i thought was excellent so phenom is the first catwoman i would say that was effortless. You know what I mean? Because all these other Catwomens, which are all amazing. I like cat I, women. I literally yes, cat <laughs> women. Um, cat people. Cat people, if you will. I love every iteration. Even Halle Berry's Catwoman. Like I will love to watch. Do you think we'll ever get a cat them? <laughs> I was thinking that when we were driving home. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking about that. It is very. I mean, honestly, Rob Rob Pattinson was giving a little bat them with those with that Not eyeshadow. Bat them. That, oh God. He was giving a little fluid beauty. The first <laughs> non-binary Batman. No. Bat Tran. I loved that. No. Actually would watch. Um, I wouldn't. I I feel like, you know, you get Eartha's kind of, and you have Michelle Pfeiffer, which is doing the most, and then you have Catwoman, which is like the Razzie Award winner, to see Zoe Kravitz come in, and she really is just the sexy, cool Catwoman that doesn't have an element of camp to her. I was surprised, but delighted because she was on that, like, there was this stupid article written about an interview she gave about how she, like, licked milk from a bowl to prepare for this role or whatever. And I was like... That's hot. And I she, would like, watch it. she, like, I absolutely would watch, but there's no way it was whole milk. It had to have been. It was oat. It was a. It was an alternative, or maybe for sure. macadamia. <laughs> yeah, because that girl is not drinking whole milk. But like, I was like so surprised to hear like, oh, I watch like feline behavior videos and like all this stuff to prepare for the role. She like, was very slinky, but none um, of it. None of that really showed up in her iteration no, I think of it. That in was, a good, it was just part of her process, and for the better. Like yes. it's. It, we didn't like. I thought that honestly, 
the people that created the Catwoman movie did Halle Berry so dirty by making her slurp up sushi and like lick milk from a bowl. And it's yeah. just like, like I'm glad that we got a Zoe that didn't have to do any of that catch. Yeah, she was mostly just sexy. Um, she was giving kind of Natalie Portman in Closer. Yeah. Um, Lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off. And, oh, she had these nails that through the entire movie, I was like, those are very impractical when you're parkouring around <laughs> off of, like, yeah. uh, you know, fire escapes. She was parkouring. She was. Well, Batman, but truly at its core, all Batman films are about parkour. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> parkour and hand-to-hand combat because Batman refuses but mostly to, parkour I forgot that Batman refuses to use a gun that that's like yeah, his no whole, guns he's like no guns but let me beat the shit out of some which, teenagers which yeah. actually and we'll get to other Batmans later but I was watching clips of Anna Hathaway as Catwoman last night and there's a part where Christian Bale goes no guns <laughs> and Anne Hathaway goes where's the fun in that <laughs> The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Forget those Sunday night blues for a second with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Gotham very much felt like a character in this movie. I got a better idea of what the city was. Totally agree. Um, than other Batman movies. Because I think the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, it's just kind of like a caricature of like a, a bad city. Yeah, um, it is. And this Gotham felt very realized and like did feel more like a version of New York rather than like downtown Toronto as it does in, you know, Christopher Nolan movie. Right. I wish they had done 
a, they had made a little more effort to make Gotham Square Garden look a little less like Madison Square Garden. But I think that does kind of the work of like you having to like fill in the blanks with your mind and right. suspend disbelief. Right, exactly. And like I bought into it for a, like a lot of the movie. And like aside from the fact that I do think that Zoe Kravitz's manicure was all wrong. Like, I felt like the nail shape was wrong. And What should it have been? You wanted were, her to have, her, like, a square nail? No, they were just... Like I, my mom's no, square her, her French nails, manicure? Her nails were too... The nail shape was too wide for her finger. No, but and they I were also, very claw-like. I know, but they could have been thinner. And I feel like she should have had a color... She should have had some, like, chrome on there. Or, like, a designer. Like, it could have been... If it was, like, more real, I would have imagined some nail art. You know what I mean? <laughs> she, like, she, she was, though, like, oh... Like, even at the end, when she was fleeing the city, full eye makeup look. Yes. Oh, yeah. At any... Full, like, apocalypse. She was like, I am running from the law, but I definitely have time to sit down and do a cut crease. To put... Yeah, cut crease. Um... S- smudgy, a smudgy mascara, and uh, um, some Urban Decay glitter liner, and the um, Glossier lid star. Um, the gl- she was the not. Silver. She was not using Glossier. I, you know, I did recently watch the Zoe Kravitz um, Vogue Beauty Secrets video, and that woman wears virtually no makeup. So I don't know why the well because why the, she's perfect. <laughs> she's literally perfect. Um, she is putting on her cat eye, um, but it's like a dark brown instead of a black, so you can barely see it. And she puts on what is like basically like a quarter of a centimeter of, like, a little cat eye, and she just, like, smears it barely with her finger. Like, you can barely see it. She's like, hi, Vogue. Here's how I look beautiful. And she just looks in the mirror, and she's like, done. (laughs) End of story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She talks a lot about, like, natural deodorant as well. Yeah, I get that vibe from her. It's incredible. It's a great, it's a great video. Do you think she owns a pair of Tom's shoes? No, I think she's. She I, has I would, at one point. Oh, for sure. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did too. Shockingly, didn't. But like Tom's shoes was absolutely my culture at the time that mm. they came out. I love Zoe and everything that she's in. You know what I really loved that I'm very sad did not get renewed was the High Fidelity show on Hulu. It didn't get renewed. I didn't no, know. it was canceled after one. I season. honestly have not been on the Zoe Kravitz zhuzh. Prior to this movie, I've always admired her as a celebrity, but I don't really remember her performances outside well, of she's, Big Little Lies. She's, yeah, she's usually kind of just like functional. Yeah. You know, she's there, she's doing her job. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, of course, Robert, I mean, yeah. well, as everyone knows, this is a Twilight Stan podcast. Yeah, speaking of and, and you know, if the past year has proven anything, it's that every tongue that rises against Twilight shall fall. Look Absolutely. at the stars of Twilight now. One of them is nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars, and the other one is Batman. And I will say, and this is someone who doesn't care about Rob Pattinson, sorry. Rob Pattinson, I think this is the best work of his career so far. Like, and you'll disagree because Twilight is up. You might say Twilight is the best work of his career. But <laughs> I, it's my favorite. I don't know about best. Yeah. I would, but I, I loved, I thought he totally disappeared into this Batman. I completely forgot who he was. And he's such a, you know, if we talk about like star versus actress, like he is more of a star, you know, like he is more of like a, someone who, People talk more about the tabloids of Rob Pattinson than they do about his actual acting. But and that's I why love I that think, he earned this. Yeah, that's why I think Batman is a very good role because Batman as a character is very opaque. And I think Rob Pattinson is a person who, because of the tabloid fur surrounding him for his whole career, has had to make himself into that. Like, yeah. has had to give away very little of himself. Yeah. So... 
I think he slotted very well into the role of this like billionaire uh, vigilante who, and that was something that we were talking about after the movie last night is that this is a Batman movie that more than any of them like attempts to reckon with Batman and Bruce Wayne's privilege. Right. Yeah. In a way, there there is a part where where Catwoman Selena Kyle says like you know, you're just, like, a privileged asshole and, you know, you none, none of these, like, white men are going to get what's coming to them. And it's good that she says that and I like that it's brought up. I think it could have been explored a little bit more. Yeah. I, you know, I I said to you, I wished that Zoe hadn't used the word privilege. Like, I wish they hadn't written the word privilege. Yeah, it but feels in, so cheap. Yeah, but in this kind of movie that's going to be seen by, like, yeah. the dumbest of the dumb people, like, you have to spell it out that explicitly. There were other ways to do it. I, I think that when I watch previous Batman movies, I'm like, it's so, I, I just feel like the fatal flaw of Batman is that he is a, a billionaire and like, just there's nothing really that interest, it's, that's never investigated or made interesting in any of the previous films. So I like that they kind of prodded at that. I have to say also, I mean, before we dive into like the capitalism of Batman, like that in, on, on the broody like kind of nature of like Rob Pattinson. I liked that even though he didn't overplay anything, he was still, you know, stoic and inhuman and that kind of like, you know, totally stone faced like Batman. We still got this kind of fragile emo guy out of yeah. him just because of what Rob Pattinson looks like. Well, it was very like, um, it was almost like when he was out of the bat suit, he was like exposed, like yeah. a turtle without its shell. Yeah. And then it was only when he was in the suit that he like came alive in a way. My one critique on the bat suit is that, I mean, aside from the fact that it should have had nipples, is that the helmet accentuated Rob Pattinson's already alarmingly triangular head and it made his head look even more triangular. No, I, thought it, I thought it was hot. The I bottom mean... half of his face looked great. But also like... <laughs> I totally disagree. With, with facial recognition where it is now, yeah. he just realistically, and I know this is a movie, they have to show his face, yeah, but yeah. like... The jig would have been up if that yeah. much of his face was exposed. And also, people are shooting at him all the time. Yeah. And, and it would have been very easy for a stray bullet to, to, like, explode the bottom half of his face. You would think that they would have found a movie magic way to kind of address that at, by this point. But, you know, it's Batman. Yeah, um, it's a fantasy. Uh, but, yeah, I, did you know that um, Rob Pattinson wore George Clooney's bat suit for his screen test with Zoe Kravitz? Over no, Zoom. I didn't. That's hot. And he wore apparently sweatpants on the bottom. Of you know the what suit. I? You know what I was thinking watching this movie is: what does Batman do in the summer? Like, <laughs> does he? Does, hot, he does he? Does he like? Does he have a sleeveless bat suit? Maybe his pits are exposed. Because you know, it's all well and pit. good to be running around in that suit like in the dead of winter. And I, I imagine even when it's sub zero outside, your crotch probably gets a little sweaty, but. When it's 100 degrees in Gotham, like he can't be running around in a cape. Maybe it's that kind of, you know, Uniqlo heat tech that's, like, very breathable, you know? Like, it, it's I guess warm when could, it's warm and it's have, cool when it's He cool. could have some kind of cooling system yeah, in there. He is, he is very wealthy. But but it is so... He's got to be so hot. Also, let's talk about the fact that Batman had a vibe with not one but two men in this movie. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you think... You always think that, but... I, I do I, always I, think that, but I think there was a vibe with him and... Detective Gordon. Yeah. And then he also had a vibe with Alfred. 
Yeah, I didn't. I I caught the the Gordon vibe. I didn't catch the. Oh, no. There was a daddy you, vibe with Alfred. Vi- it was daddy issues. It was it was daddy. It's so funny that actually, when it comes down to it, every Batman movie is high key about daddy issues. All superhero movies are about daddy <laughs> issues, and also mommy issues. Like that was the thing with with Selena Kyle is like you find out. That her whole trauma comes back to her mom and her yeah. dad. Well, daddy issues too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that that honestly, I mean, I again, I, I really loved this movie. The, I think the first thing I said to you when I walked out of the theater is that like it's a totally worthy Batman movie. And I thought well cast, um, but would have been a much more compelling film if we haven't already gone through 10 Batman movies in our lifetime. Like, and I felt like. More. Know, more, yeah, Maybe. definitely, probably. And and I felt like, you know, a lot of Christopher Nolan's iteration of Batman was, you know, helping us figure out more about what Batman's motivations are, what makes him tick, like, what hit, what is kind of behind Batman's psyche and, like, whether he's good or bad. Well, you got a little bit of that in his monologues at both the beginning and the end of the film, which you didn't love so much. I didn't love the monologues, but the bon- the monologues are very Batman. I just felt like, I just felt like my issue was that the monologues, which were also very broody and philosophical and kind of play to this smoky, existential, lone cowboy, is he good or is he good, is he good or is he bad Batman, just kind of regurgitated a lot of what The Dark Knight was. Like, or not regurgitated, but it felt like what The Dark Knight had already explored. And to go back to where we were, what we were talking about, I think what the film did that was completely new was start to investigate this conversation of, I don't even want to say privilege again because it's so cheap, but I think that the notion of was Batman's dad corrupt and is that something that Batman now has to reconcile with and like what is my function as Batman in the totality of society when the villains are sometimes kind of right about this? You know what I mean? Yeah, which which was like that whole idea was played with with the Riddler and his followers because through the whole movie, Batman is saying... I am vengeance, I am vengeance. And then at the end of the movie, one of the Riddler's followers says, when Batman says, who are you? He says, I am vengeance. So like this whole idea that like there is a very thin line between who's the hero, who's the villain, and like Batman is the hero of his story and some other people's stories. But, you know, so are these people who think they're saving Gotham in a different way. Um, and this is, I think, something that that all Batman media explores. Um, and also, like, I think depending on who is playing Batman and who is directing, you get a little bit more one way or another. Because, yeah. like, you know, you think about Michael Keaton and, like, the Tim Burton movies. There's no question of whether Batman is a hero. Because, yeah. like, because of how cartoonish it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, a flattening of a lot of that franchise. Which I guess, like, we can maybe talk a little bit about some of the the other bat Batman. And, like, why Batman, of all the superheroes, there are the most Batman movies. And I wonder why that is. Like, is it because Batman is the most self-insert superhero character? Like, because I, I was thinking about in this movie... You know, outside of Batman, like, Bruce Wayne is such a non-entity. You know, he's just, his, like, his personality is, like, it's only the top line. It's, like, rich superhero. If not off-putting. So, is that why, especially these male directors, 
and studios come back to Batman again and again because he is the superhero that it's most easy for probably like a male audience member to imagine themselves as. And maybe that's why also this movie felt a little bit like video gamey because, you know, like you may, you maybe can't like imagine yourself as like Iron Man or Thor or Superman as easily, but like you can put yourself in the mode of like, what if I was really rich and had the money to like, Go out in the streets with a mask on and fight crime. Yeah. What would like what? And yeah, and I, th- I think the the this film specifically sought to like investigate that. Um, I don't know. I when I think about like the Batman's of yore, I think I don't know. Who's your fave? Well, my favorite Batman movie is Batman and Robin because I mean it was very formative for me as a kid. Poison Ivy specifically, like. Has, influ- has influenced so much of me as a person in terms of, like, things that I consumed. I was so drawn. As I told Lady Freeze <laughs> when I pulled her plug, this is a one-woman show. I love that movie. I was always drawn to, like, the evil femme. I, like, loved Maleficent growing up. Um, I loved, you know, Poison Ivy. I felt like there was something... I-, I didn't catch on to the parts of the movie that were, like, bad because I was, like, what, eight? or whatever. So I just enjoyed it purely as a human. Of course, when we watch it as an adult, we watch it because it's kind of a so good, it's bad movie. But I still love it, like, unconditionally. Um, In terms of who my favorite Batman is, I'm gonna be crazy and say that Rob Pattinson is my favorite Batman so far. I get it. And this is someone who doesn't even care that much about Rob Pattinson. But I think I just liked that his, his kind of, like, pasty almost schleppy kind of white guy thing was uh, something very new. And he leaned into it. He leaned into this kind of, he felt almost pathetic at times when he was yeah. just Bruce. Yeah. He felt kind of pathetic. He was, was a cuck. Hot. And I was into that. I, I like George Clooney's Batman as well, but like, no, it really is Rob for me. And I, and um, I also will say when there is a moment in the beginning of the movie where you see, you know, Batman, he, ba- uh, Bruce like takes off his shirt and you see the scars on his back, but he still looks kind of like pasty, skinny Rob Pattinson. And I turned to Rose and I was like, I wonder if they spray painted his abs this time like they did <laughs> in Twilight. Was it the second or the New third? moon, yeah. It was new moon. Um, because they contoured his abs. Right. Rob famously hates working out. Or, yeah. Okay. And then later in the last third of the movie, he takes off his shirt and mama, they, they put him to work. Yeah. He is. He bulked up. He was, <laughs> he was hitting that pre-workout. Yeah. Every day. He's multiple. He's chugging that muscle milk. Probably um, the same one that I am. Just full body chills every time I drink this disgusting protein shake. Well, my favorite Batman is Michael Keaton. And my favorite Batman movie is Batman Returns. Okay. Um, and honestly, it might be my favorite superhero movie. Is Batman Returns? It's the one with Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay, of course, of course. So Tim Burton, right? Yeah. Okay, that is the most Tim Burtony of the Batman movies. I as think well. it's. I think it's the the best marriage of comic book, cartoon superhero and big budget blockbuster yeah. superhero, a legitimate action movie. Yes, it's very fun. It is campy, but not too much. Mm-hmm. It's very dark. It's very sexy. Yeah. I, I like have a lot of formative childhood, like sexual memories around Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, and I think 
her and Michael Keaton have incredible chemistry in that movie. Yeah, um, which was my critique of the Batman, which you disagree on, but I, I felt like Zoe and Rob didn't really have any romantic I chemistry. Thought, they had scene chemistry. They, they, I thought they had sexual chemistry. I thought they wanted to fuck. But yeah. I will say Batman Returns fucks. Fucks. Yeah, yeah. That 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 really – I think I would have loved to see the sexual tension between Batman and Catwoman earned the way it is with Michelle Pfeiffer. But Michelle Pfeiffer can have sexual tension with literally anything. Like that trash can. Like, the, like Michelle could just have a full romp with – but I don't know. It was just the ki- there were two kisses in this movie, and neither of them were it. They were a little unearned. Like it was very much that they had sexual. They, they were into each other just because the movie decided they were yeah, exactly. But it still worked for me. But and, and and regardless, I did gasp loudly both times. Probably yes. Whereas in that in Batman Returns, like you you see Batman. And Catwoman vibe with each other, and you see Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle vibe with each other. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and there and I thought the relationship between Bruce and Selena felt more like they had more to do with each other. Where in previous iterations of Catwoman, she just kind of shows up and steals her own stuff and does her own thing, and it's just kind of a an additional villain. Where Zoe Kravitz and Bruce have to kind of work together. I think Anne Hathaway has to work with Batman, but still betrays him, right? Multiple times? Yeah. I From the supercut that I watched on YouTube last <laughs> night, I think so. Because that is the thing with Catwoman, and it's why that she is very hard to categorize. Like, mm-hmm. she's not always a villain. She's definitely not a hero. She Her allegiance is to herself above everything and it depends when that aligns with other people's interests then she will align herself with them and this batman movie the batman she i think was a you know we saw her reckon with like wanting to kill who turned out to be her father the mob guy but i think she was like a little too on the good side i could have used maybe like if she had teamed up with the riddler at some point or like been implicated in what he was doing because i like when Catwoman, you know, betrays Batman a little bit. I think that's fun to play with. Yeah, I feel like when I think about, like, Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, which I I didn't... is a great performance, but not a... I don't think a good movie and not a good Catwoman, in my opinion. It's certainly not a memorable movie because I remember nothing about it. But I, I rewatched it in quarantine and Anne Hathaway was the most watchable part, in my opinion. And she and they, they end up together at the end? They do. They, well, they, they, their romance. They like run away together. Their romance is hammered down more from what I remember. Um, but I, I like that throughout the history of Catwoman, there is this kind of zany irreverence that I think Anne Hathaway does very well that, you know, Zoe kind of, you know, took out of the role that was still really enjoyable. But I obviously my favorite Catwoman of all time, aside from Michelle Pfeiffer, is Eartha Kitt, who took it on after, I think, Julie Newmar. But like when she did her, I I feel like she was probably cast because by this point in her career, purring was already her thing yeah <laughs> and so they were like who's that celebrity that purrs ah yeah eartha i actually don't know the, the... or maybe like she only started purring because of catwoman <laughs> that might make more sense no i think it's i actually do think it's the latter i've i've read like one and a half of um 
Eartha Kitt's biographies, so you'd think I would know this. Um, but they're so sensationalized and ghost-written as well, so it, like, doesn't even matter. But, like, when Eartha was on TV as Catwoman, this is at a time when, like, you know, Jet Magazine is still, like, the back page of Jet is, like, you know, every black person that's going to be on TV that week or something. Like, there's su- it was such a scarcity mentality of, like, I guess, representation at the time. And, I, and, and so Eartha's place in superhero TV shows was so much more meaningful to, like, audience members. And her performance is obviously so iconic. But what I loved about Zoe was that it was almost meaningless. Like, like representation didn't matter, really. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Forget those Sunday night blues for a second with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is bringing us very nicely into, like, the Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher era of Batman movies, which are very you and me. We did actually watch, we watched Batman Forever. Yeah, you had never seen it. Yes, which is the thing that led me to buy you a taser for Christmas, Uh, which you then immediately threatened me. Tried to use on you, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and I, I think that that is honestly, part of the reason I feel so exhausted by Batman movies. Why I was a little salty about this Batman movie, even though I really loved it, was like, I I do miss the cartoonish stylings of that era of movies. And I want to see that kind of like play and that zany irreverence of previous films injected into new superheroes. And I feel like they do it with like a 
a Venom or maybe like a Deadpool or something like mm-hmm. that. But it, Guardians of the Galaxy does that a little too. Yeah, but the movie, but movies in general, especially big superhero movies, just take themselves so seriously. And I kind of would have, I wouldn't have minded a punchline in this Batman, but it was like the most unfunny Batman. Like, yeah, like o- the only funny parts were Col- Colin Farrell's Penguin. Um, and that was kind of it. I could have used a, as I told Lady Freeze when I pulled her plug. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. Or some like Harley Quinn essence. You had said well, that. Well, there maybe. was a, there was a rumor, at least I saw one TikTok saying that, um, a variant of Harley, of Harley Quinn may be still, um, like pre Harley Quinn, Dr. Harleen Quinzel yeah. was going to show up, um, in one of the Arkham scenes, but that obviously didn't happen. But Spoiler. I mean, this whole podcast has been a spoiler. But, like, Joker shows up at the Was it Joker or was it Two-Face? He makes a joke about being a clown. Oh, right. He, he, made, he made that joke about... It, ha- it was definitely Joker. Which I, I was... That was, like, the peak of my... Exo- <laughs> it was the, the final, th- the third hour of the movie. The peak of my exhaustion. I was just like, I... We've when you seen do clownery. 10, 15, 10 to 15 Batman movies I've seen... Hundreds of villains to pick from in this franchise. And I was, I loved the Riddler coming back. I thought it was fine. But like. He was no Jim Carrey though. He was no Jim Carrey. Who's and he be- was no Riddler from um, Harley Quinn, who I love. Oh wait, I don't even. Oh my God, wait, we have to talk about the Harley Quinn show. But before, I just, I just felt like when we finally saw this hint of Joker and in my opinion, bad Joker makeup, like Joker makeup that I can't take seriously. Um, it just like feels like a failure of the imagination, especially when Poison Ivy is right there. Um, and I, I just, I'm like, well, there's so many villains to choose from and we're going back to Joker when Joker already had, like, he's already had three of his other movies. Have you heard the rumor that Lady Gaga is going to be in a Joker movie? <laughs> a la, like, this can't I, in the, in the same vein as, as the um, Joaquin Phoenix you, Joker, you are... which which if Lady Gaga is in like a re- is in like a gritty realistic Joker movie, that will be my Joker origin you are story. Proselytizing dangerous. Although although let's right say now. let's say that almost everything Lady Gaga has done has been my Joker origin story. Yeah, including she's probably. Do you think she's auditioned for the Madonna boot camp? No, she's girl. No, you don't think a, she's too old. B, with all the beef oh, right. she she's has with old. Madonna, no, that's never happening. I mean, she still loves and respects Madonna. Did you not see Five Foot Two? What kind of question is that? She wants to fuck Madonna. That's never going to happen. Lady um, Gaga's never playing Madonna. Wait, on the Riddler of it all, I I did feel like elements of him were a little Bane. Like, well, yeah, the kind of intelligent. Although I would have, I would have liked the Bane from the Harley Quinn show. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. With <laughs> a heartbreak, his the the sing so, somehow. Wait, I can't. It's very sing song. Somehow, somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. That sounds absurd, but the virgins have to know that it is a, a spot on impression. We have to talk about the Harley Quinn show. So, in yes. on HBO Max, there is a Harley Quinn animated series starring Haley Q. Haley Cuoco. Yes. Um, oh my God! I forgot. Shout out! To, shout Cuoco. out to all my Cuoco nuts out there. Cuoco nuts. <laughs> um, as as Harley Quinn, and it's so good. It takes. It's like the storyline of it is that Harley Quinn has like been dumped by the Joker for the last time, so she decides to start her own supervillain team. It's um a very adult cartoon. Yeah. It's like super violent. Like it's like lots Archer. Of, Did you ever watch of, Archer? Yeah. It's lots of bad language. It's very gay. It's very gay. I I. It was such a breath of fresh air. We watched. Watched it in quarantine 
like in the you know the parts where the parts of quarantine where we we really couldn't see other people. Like I think I came over to your apartment and we ate cereal and watched it, which yeah, was so fun in the middle of the day. Yeah, love love a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, vibe. and I'm not really. I don't always click into cartoons like that. And this one... I, d- I don't either. I really am not a cartoon girl because I, like, I need to see a real human being. Yeah, exactly. I'm the same way. And I felt like this was so... The characters were so, so gay and so real. And the jokes are really funny. It's one of the few shows I have watched in recent memory where I consistently laughed out loud watching it. Laughed out loud. Over and over again. Especially at Bane's jokes. Oh my god, Um, Bane is the best. And somehow pulls off very of-the-moment cultural commentary humor, which really doesn't hit a lot of the time. But you could tell the people that, a lot of the people in the writer's room were of our generation, you know? Um, But what is the, 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 all of the villains have a shtick. They're all kind of dysfunctional or kind of, made fun of in some way and Bane's shtick is that he is like everyone hates him that everyone finds him (laughs) incompetent yeah he's a flop but he's also kind of like really insecure and feminine and he masks his insecurities with bombs which is so funny but what's the Riddler shtick I can't remember um that he he like gets really buff at one point yeah because remember they have him on a hamster wheel yeah oh yeah and isn't he like constantly saying riddles and everyone's like what the fuck yeah he's maybe a little (laughs) gay too yeah I think he's just made fun of for the fact that the Riddler is like a, a villain that's honestly he's easy to make. He's a lame villain. Yeah. Well, and I liked, I thought that this Batman movie, the Rob Pattinson Batman, made v- Riddler scary. Sure, I thought that it was well done, but it still felt like Bane in my, the, the Dark Knight's Bane, rather. I also loved that the Riddler in this Batman movie was a content creator. Like, he was a... <laughs> Can you describe he, for the virgins? Well, he, like, made all these selfie videos, and, like, I kept wondering if he had a ring light. Yeah, and there was a point where he goes live with Batman. <laughs> yeah. They were, literally. They, had, they were doing a collab. And, like, literally all these little audience members are, like, you know, hearting and liking me, like, oh my god, Riddler, I love you, I'm gonna buy the same outfit as you. Like, like honestly, all Batman villains... A, a lot of Batman villains are content creators and aspiring influencers. They really want to broadcast their villainy. They really need an audience. They need the likes. They're doing it for the gram. You know, because I don't think Riddler would have done everything he would have done if he could do it quietly. Not doing it for the gram. He was doing it for the gram. He was doing it for the dark I don't web. think he was on Instagram. I think he was on TikTok and Snapchat. You, you think? Maybe Facebook. I think Facebook he, Marketplace. That's what, where he was buying all that stuff for his apartment. Yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a couple episodes we we talked about the MCU with Joel Kim Booster. If you haven't listened, go back and 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 listen to that. And I did find myself a lot thinking about the MCU and how different this was from it and how it's maybe almost a reaction to it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, in recent years, the MCU, which has kind of always been like on such a big scale, really got to the biggest scale it possibly could be with Endgame mm. and also with Spider-Man No Way Home where, like, we're now looking at the multiverse and I think this Batman, it being so grounded and, and so focused on street-level heroism, which is, like, kind of the categorization of superheroes like Batman, like Spider-Man. My favorite um, kind of hero, as I said. Uh, I think, like, that very much is a reaction to the sort of, like, cosmic implications of the MCU. And I almost, like, kind of think that's maybe why the last Spider-Man movie ended the way it did. Because, like, you have Spider-Man multiverse 
shenanigans. And then at the end of the movie, he winds up back in a place where he's much more of like the classic Spider-Man that we know where like he has no friends. He has like a very basic spider suit. And he like once again is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And so I wonder maybe if we're going to now see a trend of superheroes that are like a little bit more on the small scale. And that's the thing with stories that are this contained and why I tend to enjoy them more in the superhero of it all is that like when you have a a hero that is totally on his own, you do get to start to ask questions about privilege and capital or like what is good or bad where Avengers movies don't really their themes in them yeah but they don't really have a ton of time to actually dig into the emotional lives of many of these characters or what their kind of philosophical backings are and even though as we said like this Batman doesn't really dig into the privilege conversation in the way I thought it was going to because it really leaned in hard and then pulled away at the, at the end from it. Um, I thought maybe there would be more of a full circle moment where we would see Batman in a very real way reconcile with the fact that he's a billionaire and like what, you know, happen, what, what a billionaire can do to like, help societal collapse or societal restructuring. Right, because, like, if Bruce Wayne really wanted to put his money where his mouth was, wouldn't he just put his billions yes. of dollars towards, like, create, actually, like, fixing the infrastructure yeah, of like, Gotham City? A new Gotham renewal program. Like, if all of that Gotham renewal, like, money was used to, like, like for corruption, wouldn't he just be like, oh, let me just donate another bill? Was there a moment at the beginning? I don't pay attention when people are just talking, unfortunately, <laughs> as you know. I, I am aware. <laughs> I love that also every single Batman movie, Alfred has one character trait. Well, two character traits, which is that, no, three. He's British, he's gay, and he's like, Batman, why do you gotta go out and do this Batman stuff? Like, why you gotta do this? This hurts my feelings. I'm worried about you, Batman. Like, every time. It's like, girl, That was this a really is... good Alfred. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like it's just, he, you, this is the job you signed up for, girl. Like, Well, the, no, he didn't. He signed up to be Batman's butler. And then Batman to be was like, Batman's um... Batman's dad's butler, honestly. Yeah. Well... well. <laughs> I am very interested to see if Batman x Alfred fanfiction becomes a thing. Probably already exists. Yeah, definitely already exists. Definitely. Everything You wrote it already. (laughs) Yeah. You wrote one last night before you went to bed. We'll be back next week with a discussion on Drop Dead Gorgeous. So if you have never seen it, as Fran never had, please watch it and get ready to talk about beauty pageants the incredible career of Kirsten Dunst, the uh, COVID denials of Kirstie Alley, yeah. uh, and much more. Uh, tell us what you want us to talk about next, whether it's a show, a book, um, a phenomenon in culture. We want to hear from you. You can call to confess at 323 Penance. That's 323 I am your co-host, Rose Domnew. You can find me online, various places, at Rose Domnew. And I'm Fran Torado. You can find me at Fran Squishco, anywhere you like. You can subscribe to Like a Virgin anywhere you listen. And please leave us a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love 
hearing what you have to say, even um, if what you have to say is that if you still have a Tumblr, you'll like this podcast, which... Uh, like a Virgin is an iHeartRadio production. Our producer is Phoebe Unter with support from Lindsay Hoffman, Julian Weller, Jess Krainchich, and Nikki Etor. Until next week, bye! Mm-hmm. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.